Now you truly can rewrite your future with these powerful prevention techniques. Going from feeling hopeless in your health to feeling confident. To bring information and unleash the potential of our listeners to ask the right questions. It's my responsibility to take control of my own health. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine Podcast. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine Podcast. My name is Nikki Mackey, the producer of the show, and I'm here to introduce one of the co-hosts, Dr. Whit Wilkerson. Throughout future podcast episodes, the host will be sharing stories as it relates to certain topics, and those will include both personal and professional stories. Everyone has their own health journey, so we are excited to feature these story episodes so you can get to know the hosts and why they are working together in this Ask Why movement. Today, we have Dr. Whit Wilkerson, who is a dentist, educator, immediate past president of the American Academy for Oral Systemic Health, and director of dental medicine at the Dawson Academy. Today, we ask, why is it important that our health model take an integrative approach? And to do that, Dr. Wilkerson will be sharing his personal story and how he became a leader in the field of integrative healthcare. So with that being said, thank you so much, Dr. Wilkerson, for joining us today. And I'll let you take it from here. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. It's so exciting to be part of the Ask Why Medicine podcast team, along with Dr. Gina Pritchard and Laura Hooper, Patty Dematius, and you. We've had such great conversations and we look forward to many more. Today, I was asked to just share my story. I have been a dentist for now 39 years and only in the last, I would say, eight or nine years has my dental practice here in St. Petersburg, Florida, taken a dramatic turn as a result of what I've been introduced to that I'll share with you now. My background is very interesting because I was raised in a home that was very unique and that my mother uh, was one of six siblings and throughout her family was obesity, cardiovascular disease, heart attack, strokes, diabetes. And she made a decision as a young adult that she was going to try to see if it was possible to prevent that happening in her own life. So she began uh, studying nutrition back in the early 1960s. And there were some nutritionist that you would really learn about only in the health food store who had articles and magazines and a radio broadcast that she would listen to. And she began implementing these things. I remember as a young boy watching my mom juice carrots and celery and drink so much carrot juice that her hands and feet would turn orange. I remember taking handsfuls of vitamin C every day. And even when we had sniffles as a child, uh, my mom had in the medicine cabinet, literally vials and syringes, and she would chase us around the house and give us shots of B12 in the bottom to uh, ward off a full-blown cold. So my childhood was both very entertaining and very traumatic uh, in, a, in a funny way. But the bottom line is this, that my mom began exercising and maintaining her uh, normal or ideal weight using supplements. We didn't eat sugars in our home. And today she is 98 and a half years old and lives independently and has had minimal health problems. So I think the proof is in the pudding. And uh, certainly that is something that we would credit more to lifestyle than to genetics. And that's a very interesting part of this whole story for us because in the United States, it really is pretty much true that most healthcare professionals believe that our health is strongly 
if not dominantly controlled by our genetics, our heredity. So if your mother had diabetes and you're 45 and you develop diabetes, well, there you go. You know, what do you expect? You've got it in your, in your genes, in your blood. It's kind of like a contagious something that you catch from your family members. And it can be like a black cloud that sort of hangs over your head. If you know you have a family with cardiovascular disease history and heart attacks and these sorts of things, even cancers, then you would just assume someday I'm going to be the next victim. But what we are learning is that through the science and technology of today, that genetics is very important, of course, but genetics can be very often controlled by factors that turn on or turn off the switches of genetic expression. And what we are learning is that that controlling factor is predominantly lifestyle. So if you are someone who lives what we'll call an anti-inflammatory lifestyle, then your chances of living to be 98 or older actually dramatically rise. And even the quality of your life dramatically uh, rises in probability. So I think of so many mentors that I've had through the years. Um, It turns out that my first mentor in this subject was Dr. Stephen Masley, who's a very well-known integrative physician. And I want to talk about that word integrative for the next few minutes, because really my ask why question for this session is, why is it important that our health model take an integrative approach? As you know, most of us, if we went to a physician, it would be for a problem. I'm having congestion in my chest. So you go to the doctor, they take a chest x-ray, they listen to you, they give you a prescription for an antibiotic, and you go home because you've been diagnosed with pneumonia. Things like that are primarily how healthcare is being organized today. The average physician we know spends less than 15 minutes every two years with each one of their patients. So they really only have time in the model that we're seeing in the Western world to just address a chief complaint and then to uh, deal with that and send you on your way. The integrative approach says you are a whole person who has many components and facets to your health or for the reasons that you might develop illness or chronic health issues uh, and disease. And so in order to take care of you, or we might say to take care of ourselves, then we understand that there are many factors that are, that are important. And so an anti-inflammatory lifestyle means we're trying to reduce those insults that can come into our bodies, that can approach us from outside in, that can begin to break us down, that can begin to compromise our immune system, that can begin to make us more susceptible to having changes in our body that are undesirable. And so an anti-inflammatory lifestyle would be one where we pay very close attention to what we eat. We don't want to eat an inflammatory diet, such as a fast food, highly processed foods, uh, fried foods, et cetera, where the natural foods that we should be taking in have been modified and changed in such a way that they actually can be an insult to our body as opposed to medicine and fuel for a healthy body. And then we add other things in that would be obvious. So what would be inflammatory to our systems? How about 
smoking. Well, that that would be pretty obvious, wouldn't it? How about exposure to any kinds of toxins that may insult us? Sure, that would be obvious. How about how about if we don't exercise? Is it important to exercise? Uh, Dr. Ken Cooper, who runs the Cooper Clinic in Dallas, Texas, a renowned uh, pioneer in health and lifestyle. He is known as the father of aerobics or exercise and the role of exercise and fitness with our overall health. And Dr. Cooper tells us that if you don't plan on being physically active, then you should plan on time to be sick because it's been proven through more than 40 years of research at the Cooper Clinic that those that are very physically active are more physically fit and more healthy. That is an anti-inflammatory pro-health step that we can take. And interestingly, in the area of exercise, Dr. Cooper tells us that in all of their research through the years, they've identified that 90% of the benefit that you can receive cardiovascularly, meaning the health of your heart and, and organs through your vascular system, can be achieved through 30 minutes of exercise six days a week. And that 30 minutes means, yes, uh, exercise where you're putting out an effort that's significant, like you would perspire, but you could still talk without getting out of breath. So just think if you went away from your home 15 minutes a day, jogging or walking fast and 15 minutes back home, that you could receive 90% of the anti-inflammatory pro-health benefits that exercise can give us. But when we don't exercise, some have anecdotally commented in research circles that not exercising is as bad as smoking. And so if we look at it that way, we realize that it's really important. So a healthy diet, an anti-inflammatory diet, uh, reducing our exposure to toxins, including nicotine and, and smoking and tobacco, Alcohol can similarly be detrimental when we have uh, more than, say, one alcoholic beverage a day. Um, it can begin to have inflammatory effects. The diet issue has become so well understood now that some are showing us that this very refined high sugar diet, particularly things like high fructose corn syrup, can actually create in children a condition in the liver where these, these non-digestible uh, food items are taken in, that it can actually create a problem in the liver very much like alcoholic cirrhosis. And they're now identifying in children non-alcoholic fatty liver disease that's highly associated with a high intake of sugars, particularly things like high fructose corn syrup, which is ubiquitous in most processed foods that can be very damaging uh, to our health. So an anti-inflammatory lifestyle would be one of whole foods, of natural foods, of really unprocessed foods and unrefined foods and non-fried foods, things that are pretty obvious that I think most of us are familiar with. Dr. Uh, David Seaman who's a well-known nutritionist, uh, wrote a book called The uh, Deflame Diet. And I highly recommend it to everybody. The Deflame Diet talks about how 60% of the foods that we ingest are pro-inflammatory in the Western world. Processed sugars, processed grains, processed carbohydrates, 
refined and processed oils. And so when you think about refined or processed foods, in our Western diet, about 60% of those are very pro-inflammatory. And what happens is when they come into our cells, they insult our cells in such a way that we produce what are called inflammatory mediators. And these inflammatory mediators are what travel through our body and create inflammation and sore muscles and sore joints and pain. And as we would find if we research this, the top selling drugs, pharmaceutical drugs in the world today, producing millions and millions of dollars of sales are primarily these inflammatory mediator blockers. And so what's coming out of the cells because of the insults of inflammatory foods is now being blocked by medications, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, the arthritis medications, all those meds that you see advertised on TV are blocking the back end of inflammation rather than the front end of inflammation, which is primarily through our very poor diet. So if we want to take an integrative approach to our health and an integrative approach to medicine, then we're going to be thinking about inflammation, all the things that can produce inflammation in our bodies, and all the things that can prevent or reduce inflammation in our bodies. Inflammation being like a fire inside of us that really begins to break down and destroy our health and compromise our immune system. And so these are the chronic diseases that develop as a result of inflammation that we know now as diabetes, as high blood sugar levels, as insulin resistance, as being overweight and obese and having these sorts of problems that then lead into cardiovascular disease and liver and kidney disorders, et cetera. So the encouraging news is that the majority of these things are really controllable and they're controllable by our lifestyles. And so we're going to focus in this integrative approach uh, medically and looking at all those things that cause inflammation. As a dentist, as a practicing dentist, then one of those inflammatory factors that we now have identified as very important is oral bacteria that can be in elevated uh, levels inappropriately, certain ones that can cause not only inflammation that we call gum disease or periodontal disease or that can cause cavities in your teeth and cause abscess teeth that can be painful locally, but also that can get into our bloodstream and cause infections in our bloodstream that can cause inflammation uh, throughout our bodies. And so we're studying this very closely and we'll be talking about um, doing salivary um, testing in the next uh, couple of our podcasts to focus on that and some of the things that we do in the dental office to look for signs of inflammation that may be present. We know also sleep is very important relative to health or inflammation. So in taking an anti-inflammatory lifestyle, we're going to be very focused on sleep and how critically important it is that we get good sleep every night, seven, eight hours minimum as an adult, nine, 10 hours minimum as a child or a young teenager. And so that's going to be a focus. And as we see a rising incidence of things like sleep apnea, where you literally stop breathing in your sleep, and that can cause um, great increase in inflammation due to the release of stress hormones, particularly cortisol, then we 
are paying attention in our dental office to people who snore where that's a sign of obstruction of breathing in the airway. And about one third of people that snore have sleep apnea, which is very destructive to your body and can break us down and cause all sorts of very, very serious problems. And so I'm very excited to know that my health is not dependent primarily on my genetics and that your health is not primarily determined by your genetics, but that we together as a community can understand that lifestyle can control genetics in many cases and can keep the negative genetic expressions under control in such a way that we can live a long, healthy life in a high level of of good health and sharpness all the way until our very, very late years of life. So we're going to spend um, many episodes talking about the details of these things in our Ask Why podcast. But I just want to emphasize today, Nikki, that it is important that in our health model, both as physicians, uh, as dentists and dental teams, and also as we individually, as lay people, take responsibility for our own health, that we take an integrative approach at looking at all of these factors that can reduce inflammation in our body, all the factors that increase inflammation in our body, and do everything we can to optimize those things personally and together. Thank you so much, Wit, and thank you for sharing your story. Um, I do have a couple follow-up questions. Sure. The first being, how has learning about an integrative approach changed the conversations you have with your patients? It's dramatically changed our conversations because, um, Nikki, I'll tell you that, you know, in my background in dental school, we were taught really focus on the teeth, focus on the health of the tissues in the mouth. But what I've learned is there's a lot that you see in the mouth that's a reflection of what's going on in other parts of the body. For example, if I see someone who has swollen, unhealthy gums that bleed easily and there's lots of inflammation there, then wouldn't it make sense that they probably have a lot of inflammation in other parts of their body and I'm seeing it expressed on a localized level? So if that's true, then I'm going to begin having conversations with patients in the dental office about their diet. And we know that, for example, patients that have diabetes have much more inflamed or upset gum tissues and that diabetes and periodontal disease are very closely linked to each other. So even as I'm trying to protect the health of the mouth, it's critical that I also know what's going on in the rest of the body but also I'm concerned about what's going on in the rest of the body. There are signs in the mouth, for example, that show me that someone is having trouble breathing or that they may breathe through their mouth or they may have trouble sleeping. And so we'll discuss that and pursue understanding what's the quality of your sleep. This is important for us to understand as health professionals across the board uh, as we're seeking to take care of our patients. So we're looking very closely at these things like nutrition, sleep, airway, breathing, gastric reflux, uh, different topics like that we're addressing. And what I'm finding that's most interesting, Nikki, is very often in these conversations, I'm the first healthcare professional that's addressed it with them. So they're not aware of these things that may be going on. So I see now my role as a primary care physician or specialist of medical care through what's going on 
in the mouth, which is really, you know, a beginning point of what goes on throughout your body, isn't it? Yeah, that's amazing. And how have your patients responded to you taking a whole health approach as a dentist? It's very interesting because I guess you might think, well, you're just a dentist, you know, that, you know, you, you really aren't an MD. And certainly that's true. But I will tell you that it's all about studying and learning and continuing to grow and see what's happening because I've been out of dental school since 1982. There's a lot that's happened in dentistry and medicine since that time. And certainly my colleagues that are physicians have had lots of change go on since they've graduated, whether it be 30 or 20 or 10 years ago. And so I feel like the goal is, is that we're all healthcare professionals and my patients really, really appreciate my explanations and either my becoming involved in their care in these areas that we talk about or having a name or referral someone to collaborate with uh, to help them in another area that may be beyond my you know, field of expertise or care. And it's been tremendous. The rapport and the relationships have been tremendous. And the gratitude that, you know, we receive is great. I have a new motto and my motto is this, on a great day, we save a smile. On an amazing day, we save a life. And to be a dentist or any healthcare professional and to have patients coming in on a regular basis saying, you know, I just want to thank you because I think you saved my life it really doesn't get any better than that. Absolutely. That's incredible and incredibly important work as well. That being said, do you work with physicians and other healthcare professionals within your community? I work really closely with a number of different healthcare professionals. I work closely with a nutritionist who works with our office. I work with a sleep physician who I refer many patients to, and he refers many patients to me as well for uh, some dental solutions for breathing and airway problems during sleep. I work with internal medicine physicians. I work with gastroenterologists. I work with ENTs. I work uh, closely with other integrative physicians. And so the relationship has been tremendous because there's a growing community within each city or community around the country that's beginning to really appreciate these things and other health professionals that get it. And so therefore, we welcome collaboration and do a lot of collaboration together. Great. Thank you. And Dr. Wilkerson, where do you see this integrative approach going in the future? Well, I think we're, we're finding the answers now. The key to everything is to keep asking why until we don't have to ask anymore. And so I seen some wonderful physicians, for example, that ask why about things like type 2 diabetes. And they found in their research and, and practices that 90% statistically of patients with type 2 diabetes can reverse that and get their blood sugar levels down to a normal level without medications through these lifestyle changes that we're talking about. A healthy diet, good sleep, physical activity, controlling stress purposefully, not smoking. These, these different things will dramatically balance the imbalance that we see with things like diabetes. So as these are discovered, I really think there's two ways this is going to go. One is there's going to be a growing number of health professionals who want to do things better, who really want to solve problems rather than just 
writing prescriptions for problems. And secondly, I think as we have interactions like we're having on this podcast, where the public is becoming aware of these things and asking their healthcare professionals for help in these ways, it's going to really stimulate the healthcare professionals to get out there and learn everything that can be learned and become more involved in implementing these different steps that can be so life-changing. So I see a growing movement, hopefully a revolution in the direction of health. We have all the information. uh, We have all the opportunity. We have all the resources. It's just really agreeing and helping each other, you know, creating a community of support uh, for each other to begin to reverse this healthcare crisis that's really destroying our nation. And it's a crime. And so we've got to stop it. And talking together like this and following the research is how we're going to do it. That's so exciting. And I'm so excited to see this revolution and movement take off. And really with this podcast, that's what we're doing. And thank you so much, Dr. Wilkerson, for sharing your story today and for answering those questions here at the end. And on the next episode of the Ask Why Medicine podcast, we will ask, why do I need an oral systemic collaboration team? So please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss an episode and follow us on social media. You can find us at Ask Why Medicine on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you again, Dr. Wilkerson, for sharing your story. And in the meantime, ask why.